Hello, welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. In this episode, we speak with Hannah Johnson, Executive Director for Global Marketing and Partnerships at Blue State. We speak with Hannah about how she and her colleagues have supported charities and what those charities have helped to do, both in raising awareness of certain issues and satisfying the desire that individuals have within the company to contribute to positive social change. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Work For Good. Work For Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform, they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses, including founders, owners, and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. So without further ado, here is Hannah Johnson speaking with us about engaging staff in charitable giving. I'm delighted to be joined today by Hannah Johnson, Executive Director of Global Marketing and Partnerships at Blue State. Hannah, welcome to Charity Chats. Thank you. Thanks, Sam, for having me. It's our pleasure. So maybe if we can start just by asking you about yourself, Hannah, what's your background and what has led you into the work that you're doing now? Yeah, of course. And I promise this won't be like a full CV readout that will take, you know, 20, 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> just do a quick, quick 30 second recap. I mean, I've been working in marketing for 15 years um, and I started in the traditional side of big brand uh, campaigns and initiatives um, working in agencies like We Are Social, Edelman, um, helping large organizations launch on digital. So my background was sort of digital 15 years ago, which was really interesting because it was essentially forums, but now it's a lot more channels. So digital, the digital landscape's broadened a lot in the last 15 years. Um, but I essentially worked with organizations like Netflix, Expedia, Beats by Dre. It's a very large uh, corporations. And I think it was about seven or eight years ago, I did a project with the United Nations around uh, International Happiness Day and actually got to go to the General Assembly in New York and hear some of the really inspiring um, individuals talk about International Happiness Day and how it was aiming to bring together community, help people access to things like water and sanitation, which of course is what happiness means in some countries. Um, less so in the Western world, where we're lucky to have these things already. And I think that was a bit of a turning point for me, um, having spent a lot of time working in marketing with large brands and realizing that actually you could still work in the same sort of world of communications and campaigns, but for organizations that were sort of seeking to do good in the world. So that's kind of what drew me to, to Blue State, which is where I've been for the last sort of six and a half years. Um, and I'm really lucky there that I can sort of work with a whole host of organizations like UNICEF, UNHCR, um, large and small charities, Blood Cancer UK, um, and essentially, um, a lot of the time, it's how do we how do we help these organisations either get started or accelerate um, in terms of how they're raising income, how they're engaging supporters. So that's sort of what drove me to to my role today. And how big is Blue State? Is it is it are you a large organisation or are you part of a, a wider organisation? How does it kind of work there? 
Yeah, I mean, Blue State ourselves were sort of, I would say, medium-sized. We're 180 people across uh, four offices. But in terms of our sort of parent organization, WPP, uh, that's a bit bigger. So it's it's the uh, the world's largest uh, agency network, I think. We have 140,000 employees. So <laughs> That's incredible. Um, so the nice thing is I sort of work within a boutique agency uh, where you go make a cup of tea and you know who's in the kitchen, but also you can kind of tap into that much wider world of specialists um, as and when you need it. And, and, and what is a very large raft of support as well, which, which is great. It sounds like you've got the best of both worlds there. I know that from my perspective, my, my background, I've worked largely for uh, quite small to medium sized charities. And I suppose even a medium sized charity would probably have less staff than, than Blue State might. The idea that, you know, you, as you say, you've got all of that expertise to tap into sounds like a really useful um, kind of background. Do you ever get kind of lost in amongst such a, a large group of people in terms of knowing who to talk to? I suppose that's where organisation comes in, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think um, like you say, having those sort of regular forums and um, focused get togethers of different agency leaders for different purposes so for instance uh, WPP has like a sustainability, a sustainability group that are really focused on the sort of CSR and sustainability side they have their sort of business group growth area so the nice thing is there's lots of different groups and forums that you can engage with um, as and when makes sense. WPP does a really interesting uh, unconference uh, which is called Stream it's hosted uh, they host one in the US every year and also one in Europe in Greece in Athens uh, it's sort of been running for uh, 30 or 40 years I think and brings together leaders across marketing agencies nonprofits, and also entrepreneurs seed funders and essentially gives you a chance to really sit down and ask questions that you might not want to ask in other forums or have kind of no holds barred conversations and just really kind of kind of skin of what's happening in the industry so that's I've been lucky to go four times and it's, it's a really great opportunity every time every time I get together. WPP so it's an advertising group is that the right way of of defining it? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the kind of official term is sort of holding holding company. But holding that sounds terrible. Okay. That sounds terribly um, sort of uh, blank and <laughs> and not very engaging. I mean, I think I think um, I would almost think of it as a parent agency because it's like if you've got questions or if you often we might be working with organisations where they ask something that's outside of our wheelhouse or mm. um, or we want some experts, for instance. Uh, so a lot of the it might be that certain trends mean we're able to tap into key um, key sort of experts that exist within the network. So one that's right. coming up a lot in charity at the moment is gaming, as I'm sure oh, yeah, you've yeah, talked right. about and heard about. Yeah, um, and yeah. and um, we've done a little bit that's organised in WPP that just do that. So it allows us to actually just kind of chat to them and, and make sure we've got the right specialists sort of engaged in different initiatives. And so Blue State kind of works as the, kind of an agency, you said, or kind of it's like a boutique company within that. Yeah, we, we, we sort of we, we operate sort of autonomously in terms of we're quite lucky because we are a values led organisation. So we, we only work with organisations who we think are seeking to create progress in the yeah. world. Um, so that might be governments, it might be values led brands, or it might be more often than not, about 70 percent of our businesses is charity or nonprofit. So the nice thing is we sort of have that in our group and then we do um, 
operate as a sort of sole agency, but, but we can tap into. And I think what we'll probably talk about in a bit is when a moment of crisis happens or a moment of rapid response where you really want to scale up. Mm. And it allows us to do that within the group as well. And you've been together, you've been supporting the UNHCR, which is the UN Refugee Agency. That's right, isn't it? Yes, that's right. Yes. And um, yeah, so we're lucky where the sort of global uh, lead agency for UNHCR um, have been since 2019. Um, and it's a really, really lucky partnership for us because we we get to work with them as a, a rapid response campaigns agency, helping them raise money and also helping them kind of engage their supporters in the UK, but also globally. So we work across around 35 markets uh, beyond the UK as well. Um, and yeah, within WPP, actually, um, they've been working with UNHCR for 10 years before we were. Uh, oh, well. So there's that nice longevity of a relationship there as well. And I guess one of the benefits of that is seeing, presumably, the impact of your work with that charity over, well, a decade. It's a long time. So you, presumably you've seen a lot of kind of progress over that time in, in different ways. I suppose also the, I don't know that much about the UNHCR, I guess being a refugee agency, that it is about kind of responding to emergencies and crises, isn't it? So you're you're feeling like you're part of helping to solve those very difficult situations. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's ast- it's astonishing, not in a good way, um, to watch how that crisis has spiraled. I think we're at eighty nine million now displaced globally, and wow. um, it was fifty million and um, just a few years ago. So it really is sort of growing more than you would like in terms of the support needed. Um, but I think what's been interesting with UNHCR is if we think back to 2019 when we first started working with them, a lot of the crises they were dealing with were sort of mid to long term. So Yemen, Syria, these are crises where they needed support and rapid response, but they were sort of had been happening for a while. And then I guess COVID happened. And of course, you then have to think about how do we support refugees at a time when there's a virus that's really sort of dangerous for the elderly and vulnerable in refugee camps when actually they have very little resources to do things like social distancing and wear a mask. Um, so, and then of course, Afghanistan and, and the refugee crisis that hits the year after, and then earlier this year with Ukraine, it has meant that there's been more emergencies than probably UNHCR would like, um, but it has seen them sort of scale and the support needed really grow in that time as well. With some charity work, there's a clear start and end, isn't there? There's a kind of a building something or developing something or evolving something or, or even potentially conquering the challenge. With a refugee charity, and as you say, you know, we've seen increases in refugee uh, numbers over the, over the years because of various things, most recently Ukraine. Is that difficult to kind of sell that in? with your colleagues or or is it because it's in the news and things that there's more understanding about something like this? I think like you say there's definitely been growing understanding because uh, when we first started working with UNHCR there wasn't probably that sort of recognition that there certainly has been uh, since in the last year mm. um, which, which helps. Um, I think that it's difficult because like you say a lot of the charities the organizations that we might work with it's much easier to talk about progress story as you were saying because it happens a lot quicker yeah. but actually sometimes a lot of the solutions that we're sourcing or the things we're looking to solve 
won't be solved. <laughs> they won't be solved maybe even in our lifetime. Um, but there is still kind of progress stories along the way. You know, it's 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 certainly been inspiring for me because when I've worked with the charity, you meet ambassadors within the organization who are doing things that are incredible. So there's one Syrian uh, female refugee who became the world's first um, Syrian female pilot. Um, wow. And hearing her story about displacement to now, to now kind of meeting Tom Cruise actually randomly. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about kind of that love for flying and, yeah. and, and what it's kind of brought her to is really inspiring. Um, we've met refugees who have been displaced and then set up businesses in this country. Uh, there's one woman who's inspiring and she set up a baby cheese uh, factory. So I think those kind of individual stories help help show people the progress that is happening. Mm -hmm. It's it's never sadly going to be perhaps always the scale or the volume or the pace that you would want. Um, but it does give you insight into change is possible with the right resources, with the right education. Um, I think what has been tougher for, for our country is going through Brexit and seeing some of the government decisions currently happening around immigration and how that's affecting attitudes, mm. growing negative attitudes towards immigration um, and refugees, which is really difficult because even though as an organization, we've been able to work with them to raise more money than they've ever raised before this year. Globally, there's still that rising attitude of negative perceptions and that sense of them being seen as a resource taking things away mm -hmm. rather than actually really contributing to the communities that they then become part of, which is what we've seen. I guess, as you as you say, you know, bringing out the stories, the, the individuals and trying to understand the journey that a lot of these individuals are on and how you know, working with them over a longer period of time can help. Um, that may be uh, maybe a good way of of charities approaching it. Yeah, and I think I think that's a real opportunity for charities as well when they think about how they're approaching corporate donors, because sometimes there is a sort of a tendency to fall into a for this campaign. But actually, a lot of organisations want to support three to five year basis. They mm. they want to see that longevity. And um, they there is of course a need to create authenticity. I think now more between corporations coming together with charities i think that um supporting charities can kind of mean a number of different things uh, whether it's volunteering or helping raise awareness of funds or helping organizations create tools and materials with pro bono support as well as well as kind of the direct donations angle um i mean i think as we kind of go into sort of post-pandemic um it feels like everyone's been thinking about how can I play more of a meaningful role in society? How can I make a difference? Mm. Um, and actually, I think that does present a real opportunity for charities because them coming in and offering partnerships to corporations allows companies to engage with their employees in a whole new way as well. Um, so actually, whether it's donate minutes and hours of your time in support of this cause to volunteering and fundraising or actually kind of make your employees feel fulfilled by taking part with us um, and working in coordination with this charity and, and could could help with things like talent retention which you know we've mm -hmm. seen in some industries is proving really tricky yeah, I mean I yeah, think what's yeah. been interesting is people kind of people have been exiting my industry in droves I think marketing and advertising but really <laughs> the cynicism <laughs> right okay um, yeah well perhaps because it can be a little bit city-centric um, although that is changing, I think, certainly in some of the more progressive agencies and those that are practicing sort of hybrid or remote working. But mm. I think the charity sector is one where it's attracting more talent because people want to be doing something that's, that's seen as really meaningful in the world. Mm. Um, so hopefully that offers a, a sort of 
an opportunity for recruitment, but it definitely also offers a, a corporate opportunity. And some of the organizations we work with, you know, UNICEF and UNHCR being two I mentioned, they've seen more corporate interest this year than, than any other year um, in their history. Oh, wow. um, because companies really want to know what they can do. And, and I think having those packages ready, having having that kind of strategy and thought around, you know, how could we how could we engage um, really would would help as well. And, and actually proactive outreach, don't be afraid of it. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, I don't want to kind of reach out to this company and ask them for a partnership. They probably get lots of these, but mm. now is the time when actually a lot of companies are assessing um, their sort of charity and social partnerships as well. And, and what, what is that like for, for you with uh, UNHCR and any other charities that you've partnered with in the past in terms of, how do you come to that conversation do you do you have very clear criteria for what you're looking to achieve in the partnership or are you um kind of coming fairly open to the charity how does it generally kind of look yeah i think i mean i think when it comes to sort of our parent group wpp because they they do a lot in this space um in sort of csr and sustainability and, and charity partnerships i think that they're keen to ensure that they're supporting organizations at all stages in their journey and at all sizes as well. So it's not just large, well-known charities, but actually it might be charities just getting started or where there's been sort of a personal story that's rooted into a, a cause or a giving moment. Um, and I think WPP will work with sort of five to six every year and sure to consider how those are, are sort of spread over a number of different issues and causes. Mm. Um, and then I think once once it's there's sort of a view of who those organizations might be there's then a whole host of ways that that we can engage with them whether it's through things like employee match giving which you know WPP being a large 100,000 employee organization if yeah. they offer to match donations from from it can have a huge impact so mm. for instance with UNHCR for the Ukraine crisis I think we received around 27,000 donations which were matched um, and that led to sort of a significant 3.2 million um, offering to the organization. Wow, that's um, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so I think, and, and what's quite exciting as well is that there's always layers to it. So it's, it's not just employee giving and, and, and that side of things, but even just if you take WPP or some of the other sort of holding companies, publicists would be another one. Um, these are kind of S4 and other, these are kind of organizations with a lot of companies that also have, you know, large clients who are in the FTSE 100 that also want to give and help. Mm, um, mm. And I think that was quite, what was quite inspiring about the Ukraine appeal is the employee giving was was staggering and, and amazing and inspiring. And then it also kind of led to this influx of corporate clients also wanting to give, some of whom were giving up to sort of 1 million euros um, to wow. do what they could to help. Mm. Um, so there's lots of layers of kind of an opportunity in terms of how you can engage with, with those corporates as well. And I guess there's so many when it comes to things like the situation in Ukraine. I mean, it's I think it's it's certainly affected all of us in, in multiple ways. But looking at the images and the news, and you know, I think most people are moved by that, aren't they? They're, they're, there's all sorts of kind of complex emotions involved there and I suppose maybe one thing that seems to be the case with a lot of um, emergency appeals like this is the desire that people have to help other human beings in a, in a situation they would they hope they will never find themselves in and I, I guess internally how how soon did 
Blue State or WPP start talking about the Ukraine situation and and the things that you know, the staff could do to support it? Was it an instant thing? It was quicker than you think. It was really in a, within sort of the first day of everything starting to kind of take hold. I mean, yeah. there was practical implications because WPP had offices in both Russia and Ukraine. Wow. Okay. So, and actually, WPP was one of, was the first, I think, organization to actually close down um, its Russia Russian operations, and mm. then also show support for Ukraine colleagues by offering them extended pay. Um, wow at a time of sort of instability and and do you get the sense from colleagues that that they are seeing the the value in in the the fundraising they're doing and that that's going to continue or do you think that there's a there's there will be kind of moving on to other types of work over the next year or two do you have any indication of that i think that um people definitely see the value in raising money because I suppose it has that tangible output of mm. um, this much happened and then we can I think what's also quite we were talking about how it's really hard to show progress against a large issue like immigration and, and, and migration and refugees but actually with funds you can sort of say okay we helped build this many shelters it becomes a much more tangible sort mm. of outcome that you can celebrate and the progress that you can see so I think that that's why fundraising really helps but I do think things like volunteering and actually I've noticed not just within WPP but across um our industry you know advertising more and more people have an interest in and want to volunteer for organizations um and organizations like Samaritans have seen you know the largest influx of applications as a result of that so again I think that presents a real opportunity in terms of people lending time and skills And, and actually that was the case with Ukraine as well a lot of people were like what can we do, whether it's, you know, I'm a designer and I want to kind of help design images or I'm a web mm. developer and I want to help build a platform. But I actually think on the other side of the coin, and maybe a bit controversial to say, but I actually think that the Ukraine crisis also made people feel a little bit uncomfortable because it was a case of why is this creating such a groundswell of support when we have seen other crises that are similar mm. in terms mm. of disruption and upset. Um, that haven't seen as such a scale of response. And is that because in Ukraine, people look more like us and, mm. you know, that country has been stabilised for a longer time, so it seems to echo more like our own. So I think that raised, certainly in our office and I think in offices across the country, some quite challenging conversations in terms of why is it that we seem to be responding so much more to this crisis? companies like yours who are presumably talking to um, your staff through a variety of different ways, whether that's intranet and, and e-newses and things like that. Is that how you're kind of communicating the back and forth about how people can get involved and how people and, and the impact of that involvement? Yeah, and, and social media. Uh, and I think social media is great because if people are talking about this on LinkedIn, on Twitter, then actually that's when we're getting attraction not just from our employees but you know from their networks and you get Mm. that real sort of extended visibility what was also quite interesting is a number of offices um, asked for qr codes that they could put up in their physical spaces um, as and when they returning to the office so employees could come in just scan the qr code to give 
um, and have that moment of giving impact uh, um, as well. Um, so like you say, there's a whole host of different mechanisms there. But then there's, of course, a lot of challenges. So I, and I think I would say potentially one of the biggest one is that there's lots of charities raising funds for the same issues. Mm. So I think it's it's really hard for a corporation to choose one or, over the other. Mm. Um, but I guess being more of, and I, what the BC, which is an emergency committee, a good example of is the coalition allows organizations of all shapes and sizes to come together and campaign under one umbrella. And then you lose some of that sort of competing <laughs> aspects that can happen. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I suppose it can show more efficiency, can't it? Maybe that's that's quite an appeal as well when looking for, for new funders. Yeah, and, but then I also understand it does raise challenges for charity because there's still mm. that sense of individual brands and, and individual aims and priorities and, and where you may want funds to go that you might lose some of that messaging in sort of a coalition. But I think it's been interesting and it does feel like the sector's thinking more about how can we come together where it makes sense when there's lots of organizations that are if we if we come together and we decide on a shared priority we can make it happen quicker we can kind of pool our funds as well and you've kind of touched on this already hannah but what would you say then to to our listeners to especially small charities listening to this what are the key things that you and your colleagues would look for when it comes to choosing the causes and charities that you're going to support in the future? Are there are there tips and ideas that that our small charity listeners might be able to take away? Yeah, I think I think that, and I'm sure a lot of organisations of different sizes are already thinking and aware of this. But I think having a clear a clear proposition for the potential support is crucial in terms of spending some time thinking about the corporate offering and what the different packages are with of course you know some visual materials that can really help them get get the buy-in i mean i think often it's not about persuading that immediate person you talk to about getting involved but it might be they need to persuade their leadership team or their broader team so i think anything that helps them make the business case for you um in terms of whether it's giving their employees a chance to take part or offering different ways to get involved and, and different kind of activities and showing them some of the progress stories that they'd be able to take back to their company um i mean i think that's something that UNHCR do really well because part of their approach is very much where did this support go and actually how can we enter it into this relationship with a corporate partner thinking about the long term and thinking about every few months we want to update them on what they've helped us create and think about what's next. So I think kind of breaking out of that campaign by campaign mindset, because also that's that's hard work as well, trying to find mm. corporate support for every campaign um, and really thinking about actually what does a multi-year partnership look like? Um, and, and how are we thinking about, not just about how that corporation could help us give us money or match funding, but could they give us volunteers? Could they could they help this kind of co-brand initiative? Um, could we help them from a CSR perspective? So I think there's a, the, often it could be a bit more one-dimensional than it has to be. There's really a whole host of ways that, and it feels a bit like, to be honest, that uh, charity and business partnerships haven't, the model hasn't hugely changed in the last couple of years, a couple of decades when really it, it can be such a dynamic and interesting model now that it could be if we just think about it a bit differently and a bit more long term as well. Hannah Johnson, thank you for contributing to Charity Chat. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and thank, thanks to those listening as well. A big thank you there to Hannah Johnson for sharing her knowledge and insights with us here on Charity Chat. 
Many of us who spend our time explaining the need of the causes that we serve will recognize the wisdom in what Hannah had to say about focusing on storytelling and the individual over the volume of our work. We know that people give to people and that resonates as much with focusing our impact stories on individuals as it does working on how we present ourselves as sellers of these stories. While the quantitative measures of what we do are useful to report on the impact that our supporters are having, telling the story of one person and connecting this story to the people that we're speaking to is a surefire way of building support for our work. While many of us are focused on the short-term goals of meeting targets and giving immediate support to those who need our charities the most, the long-term goal of changing the status quo and the views that feed it should not be overlooked. As Hannah said, there are growing negative attitudes towards refugees. Charities have a place to change that by giving a face and a voice to the nameless and faceless term of refugee. Hannah talked about a change in her industry and a possible increase in skilled professionals looking to support and work in the charity sector. Perhaps the desire to support a good cause in a world which seems increasingly rife with inequality, sleaze and injustice could provoke an increase in the support that the charity sector needs in order to confront these societal challenges. It certainly sounds like there are opportunities for charities to offer this benefit to companies who may be thinking more socially, environmentally and progressively about making their mark on the world as well as retaining staff and of course reaching ethically minded consumers. So thank you dear listener for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors. This episode of Charity Chat has been brought to you by our platinum sponsor Work for Good. Work for Good believes everyone should be able to turn the work they do into good. Through their fundraising platform they offer charities a way to engage and work with small businesses including founders, owners and sole traders who want to make an impact for charities through their sales. To find out more, please visit workforgood.co.uk. We'd also like to thank Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit, Magda Axmit, for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk. And Forrester Fools for playing throughout the show and for playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Speak to you soon. Cheerio. Bye-bye.